Come on, Faith Promise, how great thou art. What a mighty God that we serve. What a mighty God he is. Incredible worship, man, thank you. I know some of you folks have been around church for a while, man, you've been waiting on that song. So that's just for you this weekend. Again, excited what God is doing. Welcome to all of our campuses, our God Behind Bars campuses, our brand new Farragut location. Man, you guys, come on, let's rock that whole community of Farragut, all of our campuses. Campbell doing an unbelievable job. It is, it's exploding all the way around. We're riding the greatest wave of momentum that we literally have ever had. So we love you. I love your, as your pastor. It's a, just a privilege and an honor to get to serve this congregation. Man, and one of the things that, that just blessed me the most about every promise or about this church is that we care deeply about people that are far from God. I deal with pastors, church planners, all over the country and some actually internationally. And one of the things that so many of them, when they come to me, they tell me is that they can't do anything to outreach to people far from God. Why? Because their church members are consumers, not contributors. They want everything for them. So thank you guys so much that we get to do stuff that's that's, that's so far out that, it, that, why? To get to bring people that are far from God close to him. Really, real people with real problems experiencing the real love of God. That truly is what we're all about. It's what every one of us wanna do. Now, before we crack open the, the new book, the new series called Storytellers, let's go back and just, just celebrate a couple of things. Like last week, did Matt Grimes not preach an incredible message? Come on, Blount County. Man, you guys celebrate. What a great job Matt is doing. Thank you, Matt. Great communicator, great, great preacher of the word of God, man. So proud of you and Carmen and all the staff and the folks, the volunteers at Blount County. So God is doing a great, a great work. Now we finished the series called In Games. And, and they're, every series, our creative team, they walk in, they bolster up, they build the stuff all around it. But, but I just wanna tell you that whole deal that short film, that virtually was every one of our folks. Sean, one of our writers, one of our actors wrote that. He directed it. It was, it was off the chain. Come on, somebody give me that. Man, it was great. And the reason I tell you, so many people say, hey, where did y'all get that? Where did y'all, where did y'all buy that? Where did you, no, no, man. We have created people who that use their gifts, who use their art, why? To communicate the gospel. And so it is, it is so incredible, all the folks. So it was, matter of fact, that night that they shot that, they were at the two o'clock in the morning on location, downtown shooting that. And I'm just so grateful for all the volunteers and all the people, for Micah, who leads that team, who has helped out help take our whole creative process up to a whole nother level. Now, we finished Endgame, and here's the deal. Endgame was preparation for storytellers. It, it, it just sort of set the table as it were for what God wants us to do. Let me sort of give you the why, the sort of Simon Sinek why behind this series. Months and months ago, you guys remember that John Maxwell, one of my mentors, uh, he came and spoke for us a great weekend and we got to spend a lot of time together, but driving him back, I asked John a question, which I always do. Every time I'm with him, I have a list of questions. And so I had, I had a bunch of them on my iPad and I said, John, let me ask you a question. If you could go back and do it all over again as a pastor, what would you change? 
immediately he said, oh, there's no question, Chris. Chris, let me tell you what I do. Let me tell you the greatest mistake I made in all my ministry. He said, back in the 80s, me and some other key leaders in the kingdom of God in America made a huge tactical error. What we did is we said, we're gonna create a service that, that you can bring your lost friends and family to and they'll get saved. Well, that's a great idea. Most of America would go to church if someone invited them, but, but a, a latent function of that that no one foresaw coming was that the burden of, the burden of a personal evangelism of sharing our story, of winning our friends and family, we lost the personal burden and we gave that burden to the pastor. We gave that burden to the church. We simply gave that burden away. And the fact is that Jesus commanded us, all of us, if you're born again, you're commanded by God to be involved. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go therefore, or as you are going, make disciples of all the ethnos, the Greek word, ethnicities, the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you along with you, even to the end of the age. I love it that in Jesus' last command, he yokes together, I'm gonna be with you while you are storytelling, while you are winning your friends. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus literally, the, one of the last words that he spoke, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This was in, this was in really in result of a question, when are you coming back or when is the end of the, of the, sea, of the age? And he said this, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my what? That's right, my witnesses, which means to stand in a court of law and tell what you have seen both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, we're an army and we've been commanded by the commander in chief to go share our story. So could we infer that if we are not involved with that, it's insubordination to the commander in chief, to King Jesus? Because I really believe that it, that it is. But, but the, the reality is, and George Barnett gave some stats. If you don't know who he is, he's the, the, he's the pollster for the, for the church in America. He said that, that less than 23% of adults who attend church will share their faith. And he goes on to say what's worse than that is only one in 10 will actually share a correct biblical uh, gospel presentation. Well, what are they doing that's wrong? Well, let me give you a couple things that, just so you don't make these mistakes, these are people who go to church and share their storytellers, but they're telling the wrong story to their friends. Things like this. Things like, they're coming, come on. Things like, number one, people are basically all good. And the scripture says, basically, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. They say, number two, that having, having faith, having some faith is more important than the substance of that faith. So it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you've got some faith. That's not, that's not biblical. Or next, there is absolute more truth, but it's located in lots of different places. You can get in the Bhagavad Gita, you can get in the Quran, you can get in the Bible, you can get it all over. And, and that's simply, this is the end all do all of truth, the living word of God. Next, what we share is that eternal security can come through doing good deeds to earn God's favor. Even though the scripture says we can do nothing to earn it, salvation by grace through faith. Yet we tell people if you really work hard, you know, maybe, just maybe if you work hard, you'll get in. Next, this is again, Jesus understands our struggle because he sinned while he was on the earth. 
<laughs> which would have made his sacrifice null and void because only a sinless sacrifice could pay for our sin. See this, honestly, if we go back, this right here is the end game. This is the enemy wanting you to believe that which is not true. So what does all this mean to us in the 21st century church? Well, it means this, that the, uh, oh, we got one more. I forgot. Sin is real, and, uh, but Satan and the Holy Spirit are not. And so there, there are others. These are the most per pervasive errors that we give. So here's the deal. The, conver the conversion conversation is complicated if we let it be. The conversion, sharing our story and God's story, the conversion conversation, we've made it complicated. In this series that we begin called Storytellers, this is what we want to do. This is, this is what we want to accomplish. We want to uncomplicate the conversation of sharing your story and God's story with others. It is simply not that hard. We make it hard. We make it complicated, but it is not. So how are we going to do this? Well, we're going to on the weekend, but listen, this is where more than probably anything we've ever done in the history of the church, you are going to not get it all if you're not involved with a small group. Because in small groups, we are gonna practice. We're gonna get practical. We're gonna get prayerful. We're gonna, we're gonna actually share our stories in small group and learn how that we can do it effectively. And so if you're not involved in a small group, come on, listen. If you're listening, say I am. So here's the deal. Get connected to a group. You say, I'm afraid. We do stuff we're afraid of all the time. Do it anyway. Man, just get involved with a group. See, let me, let me tell you something. We are so committed that you're gonna become a storyteller and that what we're doing is the absolute word of God. We believe not only that, but it is the will of God for you. Let me tell you what we're doing this weekend. At every campus, except Campbell, and I'll tell you why, at every campus, we're giving every adult, every high schooler a $5 Starbucks gift card. And what we wanna encourage you to do is take that gift card in the next three weeks, a family, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, somebody you know that's far from God, take them, buy them a cup of coffee and just share your story. Now there's not a Starbucks in Campbell County, so we're gonna give them another kind of card this weekend. So you get something else in Campbell, everybody else gets Starbucks because they're, most of the other campuses are close to Starbucks. Now, you know, well I don't wanna do that because people will argue, Maybe, listen, People argue Bible, they'll argue doctrine, they'll argue theology, but no one can argue your story because your story is yours. Hey, I was blind, this is what I was like, and then I met Jesus, so let me tell you what he's done in my life. Nobody can say, well, you're crazy, you didn't meet Jesus. They just not, they may not believe, but God is gonna use that to plant a seed in their heart that is gonna bloom into salvation. So we're gonna help you, we're gonna equip you, we're gonna empower you, we're gonna do all that stuff because that's what God told the leaders of the church to equip the body to do the work of the ministry. You say, but wait a minute, pastor, I, I don't know anybody far from God. And for many of you this weekend, that will actually be the truth. And it is so stinking sad. It's sad. See, because isn't Jesus the master? And isn't Jesus our model? And didn't Jesus get accused of being a friend to sinners? But yet nobody accuses the church in America in the 21st century of being a friend of sinners. Because you know what? This is what we'd rather do. We would rather legislate them than love them. We would rather correct them 
than connect with him. See, what you are called, that's exactly right, calls you out. And you are called by Jesus in, the, in the, uh, his first message in Matthew 5 and 6, Sermon on the Mount. He said, you are salt and you are light. See, they accused Jesus of being a friend with sinners. He said, but wait a minute, pastor. I'm not comfortable around people that are not saved. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not comfortable. Well, Jesus was. Jesus was. So why aren't we? Can I ask you a question? Listen, are you more holy than Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God? See, Jesus went where sinners were. He went after them. He, he went in there. So what we're about to do in this month, which is absolutely just so important, so biblical, so right, is that we are gonna turn the corner on literally making it hard to, hell to, go, hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. So we're salt and light, right? And let me tell you what, salt makes things better. Man, if you love some salt, give me an amen. Come on, you better know it. Salt, salt things makes better and light makes things better. Brighter, that's right. So if you are doing the will of God, then you are making things better and you are making things brighter because you are, you are the salt and you are the light and it's out there. But the problem is this, without love, salt makes things bitter and the light makes things blinder. When all we wanna do is, is, is be a 21st century Pharisee telling people what they should and shouldn't do with our finger and our veins bulging out and man, accusing and railing, that's not what Jesus did. Remember, the only people that Jesus got angry with were the religious people that were blocking sinners from heaven. Have we fallen prey in the 21st century church of doing what Jesus accused the religious people of doing, that we are blocking people that are far from God for connecting with God? Now, we could celebrate. We'll have 8,000 people this weekend. Man, at all of our campuses, not including our international campuses, we'll have 8,000 people. It's, it's just wonderful. But let me tell you the number that wakes me up in the middle of the night. Let me tell you the number that, that rocks me to the core. It's 367,000 people in Knox County, not counting our other, in Knox County that are not connected with anything spiritual. No church, nothing. As a, the latest census, there are 440,000 people in Knox County alone. And over 400,000 are not in anyone's church anywhere in Knox County this weekend. Less than 10%. It's more like 4% of Knox County finds themselves in a church on any given weekend. And if the stats are right, 53% of that, of that 367,000 people will not now accept an invitation to go to anybody's church. And some of you know that because you invite family and friends. They say, no, 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 I am not going. So what are we going to do about that? We're just going to let them go to hell or we're just going to let them miss God? No. What we're going to do is that we're going to become storytellers. You are a storyteller, not a liar. That's what my mom used to tell me when I was a kid. Are you telling a story? No, no, we're telling, the, we're telling his story because history is God's story. And you have a story to tell. You have a story to share. So what I wanna do is I wanna look in John chapter four at literally a perfect illustration of Jesus just sharing the story. 
So if, we, if you'll take your word or your iPad or your iPhone or whatever device you have and you'll click into John chapter four, we're gonna begin in verse six. So it's coming up on the screen. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus being wearied, see here, what is Jesus? He's tired from his journey, was sitting by the well and it was about the sixth hour. Now, let me just stop right here. Because many of us are so busy we're so consumed with the world's stuff, running, 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 running. We've never been a busier generation than today. Many of us are simply too weird and too tired to share our story. Now, if you understand that you're a storyteller, when you're at the sidelines and your kids are playing ball, you go out there and you find people to build relationships with. Wherever, see, you're a storyteller at work. You're a storyteller at home, on the ball field, wherever you recreate, whatever you do, whatever your hobbies are, you bring your story into that and you become what the Bible says is an ambassador for Jesus. So Jesus is tired and that never stopped him from doing ministry, healing people and sharing the story how people far from God can meet God. So he goes on in verse seven. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Now it's the afternoon. This is critical in our conversation. She comes alone. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. It's lunchtime. They're tired. They've been walking all day. They've been doing ministry. And what does Jesus do? Jesus strikes up a conversation. He said, excuse me, ma'am. Hey, would would you do me a favor? Would you drop your bucket in there and would you just give me a drink of water? Look at verse eight. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan and I'm a woman for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan. Let me tell you what's happening right here. This is what I love to call a divine appointment. And if your antenna are up, If you are open to be used by God, if you will be ready with your story, God will open divine appointments. Jesus is sitting on the side of the road where people stopped because there was a well. That well had been there for for a long time. Over a thousand years, that well had been there. So what happens? A lady comes up, just Jesus, just this lady. Excuse me, would you give me a drink of water? Now, first thing is she's shocked that he would even speak with her. A, she's a Samaritan and B, she's a woman. And so, man, and, and frankly, that we're going to see as we get in this story, nobody else spoke to this lady either. Nobody else. No, nobody would talk to her when we're going to find out why. Who's in your life? What neighbor? What friend? What coworker? What student is sitting alone in the lunchroom? Is sitting alone at break? Is sitting on their front porch by themselves day after day after day? That God has put on your heart that you need to enter in and share your story, that you need to, you need to roll in there. See, I, well, the reason I love this story is because this Samaritan woman was me. I was an outcast, a drug dealer, a dope addict, busted, wasted, and worthless. I had invited no one. I was a taker. I was not a giver. I was on my way to hell. No hope, no way, no wonder. And I know what the psalmist said, and no man cared for my soul. This woman feel like nobody cared for my soul. See, the women came out in the evening to draw water, but they wouldn't let her come because of her lifestyle. So it goes on. Verse 10. Jesus said and said to her, if you knew the gift of God 
And who it is that says you give me a drink of, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, what is Jesus doing? He struck up a conversation. Now he's turning the story spiritual. He's moving it from NFL or, or from the McGregor and Mayweather fight. He's moving it from, he's moving it to a spiritual conversation. What does he do? He said, listen, if you realize who I was, you'd ask me for a drink of water and I'd give you water. You'd never thirst again. What does he do? Listen, listen, if you're, if you're listening, say I am. He went straight to her need. See, she needed living water. He went straight to her heart. He went straight to the thing that mattered that she needed. She's out there in the heated day drawing water because she was an outcast. Let's go on. Then she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and this well is deep. Where do you, where then, where then do you get that living water? Keep rolling. She now, she's asking, you're not greater than our father, Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But go, go to the next verse. But whoever drinks the water that I will give shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So Jesus goes literally straight for a heart. He said, I'm gonna give you water that's gonna be inside of you that's gonna well up into eternal life. I'm offering you something that the world cannot offer you. I'm offering you not what you can draw from Jacob's well, but what I can draw from heaven. I'm about to give you a drink of living water and you will never thirst again. Now, her appetite, man, her appetite. So let's go on, uh, 15 and 16. The woman said to him, sir, Give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come to this, all this water here to draw. He said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I don't, I, I don't have a husband. She said to her, you've answered correctly. I have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one with whom you have now is not your husband. Now, what does Jesus do? I think that what the Lord did was throw a test her way to see if she'd be straight, to see if she'd be honest, to see if what, what, what would happen. Now realize this woman is divorced five times and is now shacked up. That's why she was an outcast. She wasn't prim and proper like everybody else. They all had sin, but see, they dissed on her. We all have sin, but we diss on people we think have more sin than us. We try to make ourselves feel good by looking down on somebody that we think is in worse shape than we are. And what this is, this is a God moment. It's a God moment. Go to, go, go to the next verse. Then she have said, truly, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Ooh, God's doing something. Our fathers have worshiped in this mountain and your people say that in Jerusalem is a place to worship where men ought to worship. Well, what's the deal? What it should be? Let me tell you what's happening. Come on, look up here. Come on, are you with me? Here's the deal. She offered up a diversion. And this is what people will do without even realizing what they're doing. They will want to engage you in a debate. That's what she said. Well, our people say we worship here. You Jews say we worship in Jerusalem. What's the real deal, Jesus? And Jesus ignores the question. I was on a plane recently and ended up sitting next to a retired NFL quarterback. And I was, I was, I'm not going to share his name because he and I are still walking this thing together. But but I began to share, I began to enter in a spiritual conversation. And he said, well, you probably don't want to talk to me. I said, why would that be, sir? He said, well, I believe in evolution. I said, who cares? That doesn't even matter. He said, what do you mean it doesn't matter? 
I said, it doesn't matter. Only one thing matters. Did Jesus come out of the grave and do you believe he's the son of God? See, what he wanted to do is enter into this theological diatribe of evolution versus creationism. Right here, it doesn't matter. I know some of you apologists would argue with me, but only one thing mattered, his, her soul, just like his soul. Hey, we can talk about evolution after you actually believe the Bible. We could talk about creation after you've met the creator. See, once you've met the creator, creation becomes a little easier to buy into for those people that are educated. See, he keeps going. Jesus said, and a woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. It doesn't even matter. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know. Keep going. For salvation is from the Jews, but an hour is coming and is now. Listen, doesn't even matter where you're at. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. This bottom line right here. Jesus brings it. He said that out of the temple, right over here in your synagogue, wherever you want to go. That's not what it's all about. It's about worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. It's about making him the absolute Lord of your life. Now, let's keep going. God is spirit and those that worship him must worship him spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah's coming. Hey, y'all see the, do you see the conversation that Jesus has directed the whole way? Hey, I know the Messiah's coming. He was called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Keep going. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, here, enter the church. At this one, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak to her? See, our church friends don't even ask when you're trying to build a relationship with somebody that's lost. They just scold you. They just scorn you. Hey, you got to leave those people and hang out with us. You can't be a friend of sinners. Man, you're not going to be holy. That's, That's what Jesus did. Come on. They're amazed. See, the unwritten rule in church today as those that are far from God, stay away from them or you'll be far from God. But how can we win people with our story and his story if we do not know them and love them, if they don't see that it matters and that we care? Now, so I wanna free some of you guys up to get out there and to build relationships, to find places where you can share your story. So let's look at the first thing, let's go. So the woman left her water pot. Hey, I've got something more important now than my job and my pot. And went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? Now, listen, let's look up here. What's the first thing that she did When she met Jesus, she shared her story. She hadn't been in seminary. She didn't know the Old Testament. She was pretty clueless, but she knew she had met Jesus. So she goes back to the city to people that hate her. And she says, hey, come see this man. He told me everything in my life. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out from the city and were coming to him. Keep going. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything, brought anything did he? What's the deal? Jesus said, listen, boys, can I share with y'all? There are things more important than swinging through McDonald's and getting a double cheeseburger. 
There are things more important than filling your gut. You have no clue. Salvation is right now weighing in the balance for the Samaritans. There's been a divine appointment. I shared my story. This woman has gone back and she's about to bring half the city out here to meet us. Let me keep going. Man, listen, one story. Jesus said, and my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Not fill my gut. I know we have to eat. Do you not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Beside you, you lift up your eyes. Hey, boys, would you look over there across that field? You see the gate of Samaria? Here they come. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields that are white unto harvest. They're rolling. They're, they're just, they're, they're, they're rolling in there. Why? Because Jesus had a conversation with one woman far from him, exposes her sin to her. She goes back, tells everybody she knows. All of them come out. They end up turning to Jesus. And later they say, it's not because of your story now, but it's because we've met him. We realize it is Messiah. One conversation rocked all of Samaria. What might happen in this month, church? What might happen if a thousand of us, 5,000 of us take those Starbucks card and we take a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, and we sit down and say, hey, you matter to me. Can I just share a story that's been on my heart and tell them how you got saved? What might God do with that? The results of one conversation with a woman that was the least and the last and the, the least likely to be used of God. Come on, look at the results. And he who reaps and he who sows are gathering for the fruit is eternal. And they, they roll out, man, and tons of people are saved. One, one conversation. One conversation. This is what we do. Can I tell you something? You are a storyteller in the name of Jesus. Let me just speak it over. You're a, you're, see, we're not using the word soul winner evangelism because those are really negative words. So you're a storyteller. You got your story and his story. You say, but I've never shared it, but you're going to, and God is gonna use you. And you're gonna be one that are gonna bring one that might bring 10, that might bring 100. Come on, there's no telling what God would do. I'm praying for a great burden and a great boldness to land on every single person. I challenge you this week to be a storyteller, that you will get out there and do it. I challenge you to to connect in a group where you will learn to even be more effective because the more that you share, the easier it becomes. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, you're going to be my witnesses. Some of us are good. Some of us are not good, but we are all his witnesses and he's going to give us power to accomplish that. So that's the deal, church. That's what God wants us to do. Does that make sense? Come on, somebody give God some praise in the house, would you? Man, we're gonna see God rock. We're gonna see him roll. We're gonna see God move in supernatural ways. I mean, that's, this is the will of God for every single one of us. It's not that it's a maybe. It's not that it's a might. It's what God wants all of us to do. Does this, make, does this make sense to anyone? Come on. Now, in the last weekend of this series, which will be, which will be this is the first weekend, it'll be the fourth weekend, I'm just gonna simply share my story, gonna give people a chance to respond, and then we're gonna have a baptism day. I, listen, we could see a thousand people baptized, we could see one. It all depends on you sharing your story. See, us moving forward is all about the speed that you'll share. So if you'll get in a group, if you'll learn, if you'll take that card and say, Lord, who do I take to Starbucks? Or hey, if you're in Campbell County, who do I take to McDonald's or the diner? Who do, who do I take? What, what do I do? 
And what will happen is, is, is God's going to save. Now, some of you say, you know, Pastor, I just don't have a burden. Let me wrap this up. If you don't have a burden for people that are far from God, what it probably means is your sins have never been forgiven. Because if your sins have been forgiven, then you have a burden for those who have not. Once you've experienced freedom and salvation, you want everybody to get some of that. So right now at every campus, if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, every head by every eye closed, come on, every single campus, come on. Pray this aloud with me. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I'm far from you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. I will follow you from now on in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Come on. Now, here's the deal. Some of you just prayed with me and gave your heart to Jesus. Pull the communication card out in front of you. And if you'll just begin filling that out in a few minutes when we all give our offering unto God, you can put that in the offering. But if you're a guest, hey, all we'd love to have from you is a communication card. There are other things you may need. Baptism, next steps class. Just fill that out, hold that card. And in a few minutes, we're gonna, we're gonna give an offering unto the Lord. Does that, does that make sense? So, so just go ahead and get that ready right now as our praise team comes out.